0: Welcome to the 249th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on September 8th, 2021. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com. And fifty percent of this here show with me is the man who is currently scanning Game Pass, Carlos Rodella.
1: Dude, those are my eyes S- scanning Game Pass, like high tech scanning. Back and yeah, and it's 80s, going that fast because scanning. I played so much of them.
0: That's true. How, just out of curiosity, I haven't taken a look at Game Pass like today. I mean, I think I looked at it a couple of days ago, and I mean, what is it up there? Like 150 games or something like that. Like it out doesn't of those, say a
1: number at the top
0: it's more than 100 for sure like when you take into account all of the different the ea stuff and the ubisoft stuff or whatever it's probably closer to 200 honestly but uh so like just if you had to take a guess uh today snapshot into game pass how many of those 200 games do you think you have at least played for like five minutes not necessarily beaten but that you you've tried
1: what's the number you said Uh, probably close to 200 i'm guessing I'd say like 175, bro. Really? That high? It's Seriously? really that high. because Okay, watch. We're going to do it like real time right now because I have it up, okay? Okay, real time. And I'll turn my mouth to the microphone. Hopefully, you can still hear me. So, I'm going to now just one row, okay? One row Game Pass. Okay. Red Dead Online played it. Sure. Re- Remnant from the Ashes played it. We talked about it on the show. We did. Resident Evil Biohazard played it and uh, talked about it in the show. River City Girls played it. Rocket Arena didn't play it. Oh, and Rush, a Disney Pixar. Okay, I didn't play that one either. I was going to... Let's do the next one.
0: Uh, Okay, one more in real time.
1: One more in real time. Rise, Son of Rome. Of course I played it. Scourge Bringer. Scourge Bringer, I played it. I didn't like it. Scream Ride, I did not play. It's a weird old school game. It's like one of the first games, right? Yeah, it was. Pretty early. Sea of Solitude, interesting. I think I played the demo. Yeah, I did. Sea of Thieves, of course. Behold beyond extinction i did i think we played it right beyond extinction god i don't even remember i, I think it's a dinosaur it says it's a game preview yeah with dinosaurs yeah we played it yeah so there you go that's so. two rows and i the only two that i really did play are like those corny ones mm-hmm. disney pixar whatever wow disney people
0: are offended right now yikes sorry disney oh, you
1: keep going down though it's like hello neighbor played it shadow warrior played it Signs I mean, I of the the or whatever of we talk about the show. Like
0: yeah we talk about a lot of stuff on the show so we cover a lot of ground
1: Dude, I'm just finishing the Sims, Skate, and Skate. I played all of them. That's like, yeah, that's like eighty, ninety percent. I think you should probably ask for your
0: Game Pass money back, man. I don't know if okay, you're going to get anything out of this service. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, it was
1: fun to do it real time, but it's just so you know, I'm proving it. Like, it's seriously, it's like, it's difficult for me. Yeah,
0: that's true. We do play a lot of games. All right, well, we we'll, we're going to keep scanning. We'll find you something to play, Carlos. But in the meantime, we have played other things, and we have stuff to talk about. Yep. uh let's get right to it i think that you and i are both kind of shooting for a shorter show tonight i've got a little bit of a headache folks just full disclosure just gonna kind of peel that curtain way back all oh, right we're supposed
1: to like talk quiet like this like a I npr know. We were gonna, podcast we we're gonna do
0: like the, the asmr yes welcome, very, I, welcome I, back
1: to the yes. so Vita game podcast i'm your one of your hosts carl sardella with me is uh tried and true veteran of the industry brad galloway how you doing How's i'm
0: doing real good carlos how are you doing
1: uh, pretty good. Uh, I heard you have a headache, so we're going to talk pretty quiet. Is this okay?
0: <laughs> this is great. You know who's got a great ASMR voice is John from the Gaming in the Wild podcast. You love that podcast, right?
1: I do, but I'm also kind of slighty because I just gave you my best ASMR uh, NPR voice, and you're like, you know who has a good voice for this? Not <laughs> no, but I mean, yours heard. was
0: good, but dude, his is kind of supreme. I got to just give him a quick wow. shout-out because all right because, because uh, I was listening, catching up to some episodes uh, on his show, because I had some time in the car the other day, so I'm like, oh, I'm going to be driving on the road for a while, I'm going to catch up on podcasts. And the thing that I love, I, I tweeted him about this, he knows, this is not a surprise, the thing that I love the most about the um, the Gaming in the Wild podcast, and folks, if you haven't listened to it, please give it a listen, I love that show. Uh, he's got this lovely, chill, NPR ASMR voice, and I don't say that as an insult, I think it's amazing, I, like, I love listening to his voice, it's so smooth, like just buttered honey just flowing into your Jeez ear canal, you know? Louise. And like, he's... T- but that's not the best part the best part is when he says shit where he like disapproves of a game and he says something that you don't expect to match up with that voice right because like usually when you hear people talking that voice it's always like they're saying something nice or they're just delivering news factual like they don't very often like crack down on something you know and like he was talking about 12 minutes which you played uh, a while ago i think we talked about it either last episode or the episode before and he's sitting there and he's talking in his ASMR voice and he's just kind of like lulling me into like his end state. Right. And then he's like, I really dislike this game. And I wanted to <laughs> drop kick it into the fjords. And I'm like, what? Oh.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can see how that doesn't match up with like the kind of yeah gentle touch.
0: It's like it's amazing when he says shit like that, when I'm like, oh, that's right. He's like a real person. And I like his opinions because he does. He does disapprove of things once in a while, which is great. But to hear it contrast with that, that silky voice is so it's so amazing. That's my favorite thing. So, much. yeah. yeah. Give a list. Give a list. Give a
1: listen. and also I, I talked to him on Twitter. I'm like, let's have him on the show. We've had guests here before, so let's do yeah, it. Yeah,
0: we have. Yeah, we can do that. I would love to have him on the show. He's a great, he is a great, uh, great person, great guy. He would be a lot of fun. So we will.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that. And we were talking about Death Trash because of course it's an awesome game, and we talked about it. Uh, it's early access, early preview, demo, whatever it is now. Not demo, early access. Yeah. And he was saying he was uh, having a hard time not playing more of it, and uh, right. yeah, I can I can tell attest I played the crap out of all of it
0: we will definitely have him on at some point consider this an invitation john we'll get you on the show at some point uh yes for sure okay anyway sidetrack over uh let's get to housekeeping i only got one thing carlos do you have anything tonight for housekeeping
1: i have a few things but we'll keep it short i'll pick a couple
0: all right let's just do a couple things i'm gonna skip the intro just in the interest of time yeah we live in the house it's split down the middle okay everybody knows carlos
1: what do you got on your side of the house tonight (laughs) Uh, well, first off, State of Play is tomorrow at the time of this recording. Oh,
0: is that tomorrow? Yeah. Oh, it is. It is. Okay. So it
1: already happened, and it was cool. They showed, like, games <laughs> that we already know about. Are you so, speaking to us from
0: the future? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting all timey-wimey.
1: Yeah, you guys are listening to this now, and gals, Um, so it's uh, Friday, but so the show already happened, and it was almost not eventful I'm going to say. Oh, he's going on record. I love PlayStation. I just don't, I, I've not really enjoyed many State of Play's. So I'm not, I don't really get excited for them. The
0: last couple have been pretty I mean Black not bluster. not super yeah not super exciting the last couple in a row. So no.
1: So that's happening. Uh, the other thing is I have some games on my radar. Remember the old uh, Ion Games Field thing?
0: Yeah, that was from like 70, 72 years ago, I believe. Yeah. I'm
1: gonna run these down real quick. I'm not gonna yeah. go into any detail, but just for our listeners. Uh, obviously we didn't mention Gamescom talking about Doki V, which is like the new Open world Pokemon game that looks incredible.
0: I would don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh dude. my
1: goodness, dude! Google it after this. All right, D O K E V. It's a uh, Korean, I believe. Um, All right, and it's basically like incredible graphics, third person, like a Pokemon type game, open world. It looks incredible. Okay. Uh, Road ninety six. We never talked about. I think it came out, and we had mentioned it on the show. I think before oh,
0: Road ninety six. You know. So
1: that's a game I could play.
0: So just to sidetrack on that, now I may be completely wrong on this, but that was one of the ones that I think that you and I were both pretty excited about. Yeah. Um, but isn't, uh, I feel like maybe maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm not, but isn't the person who is the head of that studio or one of the instrumental people in the game, didn't they turn out to be a douchebag? I feel like there oh, was some man. kind of thing on Twitter recently where they were like... Whoops, the guy ends up to being a douchebag. We can't support this game anymore. Is that is that this game? I feel I like it is. I don't
1: know, but can we put our hands over our ears and go, la, 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 and just uh, play it? Oh, I'll,
0: man. I'll Google this after the show. We'll find right. out. They're, they're,
1: we're putting like a red flag on this one, man. Yellow flag. All right, flag. okay. Yellow flag on that. And then uh, yellow card. By the way. I don't know if that's a thing or not. It is in football, and Ted Lasso is amazing. I got to say, I, d- I was not giving it a shot. I'm finally in. If you not watched it, I recommend it to everybody. It's incredible. Some list. Some list. I haven't <laughs> my seen I'll tell you real quick. The only reason I, the main reason I think a lot of people like it and why I like it is that I think it was said much more eloquently than I will say in an article, but it's like, if you took a very, very positive person and put him in this world, right? This world of like jaded, you know, the dystopia itself, we're living in. Yes. That what would happen really? That's what it is. And I, I see myself as like a, like a Ted Lasso in a way. Because they do bring positivity to like almost every single situation ever. And I'm like, my goal is to make people happy and laugh. And, you know, that's what he does. Although he's like a football uh, coach, soccer coach. Gotcha. And it's just so cool to see that check's And it's so well acted. Can't recommend it enough. That came out of, I forgot what tangent. And then also Song of Iron came out, which I wanted to play. Made by one guy. Uh, 2D Viking uh, game. It's 2D? Yeah, 2D. I'm
0: thinking of the different... There have been a lot of Viking games lately. There's been a real resurgence in yeah. Norse-themed games lately. I'm having trouble keeping them separate in my head. I'm yeah, this one's Song, Song of Iron. Iron? Yeah, it it's looks, on Xbox, it, right?
1: Yeah, it looks 3D, but 2D style. I think I might pick that up as my game to play uh, in case I can't find anything on Game Pass. So uh, check that out. People. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. I'm looking at the really trailer cool. right
0: now. Yes, I have seen this. It is on Xbox. Yes, it's like 2.5D or something like that. Yeah. Gotcha. And lastly,
1: okay. uh, this is out. We talked about Lake, and we haven't talked about it on the show since it came out. So we should both download it and play it and bring it to the show because yeah, Lake you is know, out.
0: I bought it. I bought it. And okay. I heard that day that I bought it, I heard a lot of people saying how buggy it was. So I was like, well, I'm going to let it sit for a minute. Hopefully, they're going to get some of those bugs ironed out because I heard a lot of people say they really, really like it. But they're bummed out because they're running into like a lot of bugs, which are kind of taking away from the experience, which I'm not a fan of. So we may, I don't know. Well, hopefully they're going to get it patched up soon.
1: Okay. That's all for me. And also, real quick side note, next episode, not this episode, but next episode, I will be bringing the soundboard to our podcast. Nice. So we'll have some sound effects, but not this episode. Sorry. This is the quiet. This is the quiet episode.
0: No worries. No worries. Not much in terms of housekeeping for me. Just one really quick note. Uh, Last week, we talked about blackout the darkest night that kind of like text adventure slash choose your own adventure pc game that you and i were both a fan of um uh the creator of that game, his name is robson siebel uh, i hope i'm pronouncing that right Uh, apologies if i'm not uh uh, sent me a message after the show he heard the show and he said thanks for the coverage and we say thank you for your cool game uh but he just wanted to clarify really quickly uh i don't remember exactly what we said but i think we were not sure whether he was a one-man studio or not oh Um, so he wrote in and he said hey i made most of the game myself Including writing, programming, and game design. The art was done by a friend of mine who is basically the other half of the studio, even though at some point I did hire someone to help him out, and the music and sound effects were outsourced. So, just to clarify, not a one man studio, but a very small studio, and, you know, it looks like maybe three people, maybe 3.5 at the most. So, thank you very much, Robson, for that clarification. And, folks, give Blackout the Darkest Night a look see. I am not done with it yet, but I am slowly chipping my way through, and I will have a report as soon as I roll credits on that.
1: Yeah, we'll both uh, come back to that and talk about it in the show. And I like it a lot. Choose your adventure extraordinaire. Yeah, it's pretty um, cool. So, also, I was going to say real quick on that point, there is a lot of indie indie developers because friend of the show, uh, Robbie from um, the game Dragon Audit, which we mentioned on the show, Dragon Audit. yes. Yeah, he he did something similar where like you know a lot of it's him, and then he outsourced some music and some graphics and stuff like that. So I think that's a really good way for people who are like kind of overwhelmed by the game making process. Like, do a lot yourself. You can, but you can always, like, reach out and get, you know, just a little bit here and there to help you get over the finish line.
0: Oh, yeah, dude. This is the gig economy, man. Everybody's looking to do a piece of art. Everybody's looking to do a piece of music for a couple bucks. I mean, there's folks out there. I could jump on Twitter, like, literally right now and say, hey, I need an art project and I'm paying 100 bucks. And, like, in real time, I would have, like, five names for you, like, in the next, like, 30 seconds. Right. There's people out there who want to do this. So definitely get some outsourced help if you need help if you're making a game. Or just do it for fun. Yep. All right, cool. We're done with housekeeping. Let's roll on. We're going to try to get the express train moving on the show. This is going to
1: be the fastest episode ever. I'm going to uh, say it right now. Watch. All right. Maybe. Watch. Very
0: possible. Also, Let's before go. we before we roll on, shout out um, to Britta, who is called Food for Dogs on Twitter. Uh, she is going to be looking forward to this episode because she is very interested in our thoughts on Crown Trick, which we'll get to in just a moment. But I wanted to say hello to Britta uh, before we moved on and before hello. I forgot. Hello. Hello, Britta. She's so great. Do you know, did you follow her on Twitter? I don't think so. Ah, she is wonderful. You should look her up. The very first time I encountered her, I thought it was like a joke account because uh, her name is Food for Dogs, which has nothing to do with video games. And when I clicked on her, her picture, she's, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to be very respectful and say she is a mature lady. And I was like, is this really the lady who runs this account that talks about games all the time? That's weird. That is contrary to my expectations. I better check my expectations, self. And so she actually ended up being really super cool and exactly what she looks like. And I don't remember why she named her account that, but she is really great. She does YouTube videos. She just got an Xbox. She talks about RPGs all the time. She's great. So, food four, as in the number four dogs, check her out on Twitter if you don't already. I think she's definitely worth a follow.
1: I'm following her now, and also her um, headline is really cool on on the uh, Twitter. It says, Retired on Vita Island with eight Vitas. Yeah,
0: she's the best. She knows her shit about Vita. Like That's one of the things Ah, that got me following her. Yeah, she's great. Hey, Britta. Okay, moving on. Let's get to the show. The Plane Effect. You played a demo. I don't know literally anything about this game at all. I think I've heard the title. That's all I know. Carlos, what is... The plane effect.
1: Yeah, the demo came up on Xbox, I think, is where I played it. And uh, it's still up there now, I'm pretty sure. Okay. And it is very much like um, a Limbo or Inside type game, right? If you know that, if you know those games, they're very dark, uh, you know, simple graphics. Um, kind of, what's the, what's the word for that style?
0: Like the it's really a, heavy use of black kind of Yeah,
1: thing. that's exactly it. Yeah, heavy use of darks and you know omnipresent uh feel maybe that's right did i use that mm, word right no nope. i don't think
0: so no damn
1: it i, fi- I finally failed a word what's <laughs> yeah. the w- i didn't mean omnipresent i mean oppressive is what i think you mean Impressive? no i think i do need omnipresent like always around omnipresent. Uh, yeah i
0: mean yeah but i don't know if that's uh, okay we're getting sidetracked i'm not sure that that's how you use that word but we're gonna oh it up. isn't
1: it isn't there's another word okay Anyways, it's basically like Insider Limbo, where it's an adventure game. It's isometric, so it's not 2D, right? Okay. And it's a dystopian future, etc., etc. We've heard We've heard it before. Set what, in the modern day. Set now, yesterday. Um, and you basically follow a lonely office worker who is in an – it starts in an office. And it's, you know, it looks beautiful. Like, this whole game looks beautiful. But at, at its heart, it's an adventure puzzle game. But you're basically trying to, you know, uh, get out of the office in the beginning. That's the first thing they give you. And you can just, you know, you start piecing together the world by just walking around it and seeing, you know, signs or seeing um, kind of like, you know, you, the, the feel of what this guy's job is in the office and stuff. So the very first puzzle is like you find a paper airplane. And I think that's going to obviously come back into play a lot because it's called the plane effect. And you throw the paper airplane somewhere and it knocks down a ID card so you can get out of the building. But then you get to the subway station and then there's a puzzle there. So it seems like every little scene... It's a little teeny bit of story in the fact of world building, you know, and learning about this guy's life and what this world is and what this kind of, you know, company is, et cetera. But it's also at the heart, it's just like, how do you get to the next stage? Uh, And similar to like Inside and Limbo and those games where you can die a lot, but then you just come back to life and try again. It's that same style. Like I was in the subway and, you know, just kind of like confused on what to do. And I saw like these gloves in the middle of the you know, the subway um, tracks <laughs> and there's like light on it. So I'm like, okay, well I've got to go get those. But what they don't tell you is that if you, you know, cause you control your guy moving around, you can like touch the third rail or whatever and like electrocute yourself. So I immediately die like a bunch of times cause I had to maneuver just the right way, you know, to get the gloves. Right. right. Uh, but then once you get the gloves, you can turn the, you know, you can touch the box that's electrocuted to set the switch and then finally get a card and leave and go on the train. So it's that kind of game. Um, I haven't played too much of it, but I just do love the look of it. So I kind of brought, brought it to the show to make it aware to people or make people aware of it. Um, and yeah, it really does change quite drastically from like, if you look at the trailer and some of the pictures and gifts, like you're in a car, you're underwater. It really is that kind of, um, what other game has done this? I guess Limbo. And inside. There's
0: there's another game that I'm thinking of, which was kind of the same thing, where you were like in a real dystopian kind of office environment. I didn't play it, um, but it, I think we reviewed it at Game Critics. I remember seeing it, like a guy with a beard or something, and it was kind of making the rounds as kind of like a maybe an indie darling, maybe not. That's kind of what it's reminding me of, even though it doesn't look the same. But that same theme of like office work, you know, trying to connect with people. Oh, what was depression. that? Because I
1: played it, and I, you know what's funny that that game does a lot of what this game does, in the fact that. You know, it starts in this dystopian, black-and-white, dark world. But it gets more colorful. It gets more dreamlike. And then you're, like, in totally different settings. Like like I said, you're underwater, right? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And that game you're talking about, which maybe you'll find as you're tapping away.
0: I'm trying. I don't think I'm going to find it. I'm not. But uh, that game
1: uh, had that thing, remember? Where, like, you'd go into another, like, Wonderland or something. And it would come out into a different world. So, Whatever that game is, it's so similar. Whatever that
0: game is, I wish I could remember what it is so I can totally see the guy's face in my head because his face was all over the PR materials, but I never played it, and so it's not really cemented in my brain. Anyway, oppressive office environments, it's a thing that game developers talk about because they probably all feel it, and I think that's a very common thing we can all relate to. But yeah, the, the graphics for the plain effect look very artistic, very dark, very angular, very... Geometrical it looks pretty neat. This is definitely something that I would want to give a shot to. So, uh you say the demo is still up on Xbox, correct? Yeah,
1: I believe it is, and there's no reason not to play the demo. And and again, I gotta stress that it really does just jump away from the office setting. I just don't want to give away too much because similar to the other game we can't think of the name of, it's cool when you don't know what's going to happen. So right. that's how it starts, but then it totally changes, and I, then you get to experience really interesting environments with this little businessman.
0: Excellent. So Excellent. I like it. All right. That is the plane effect uh, coming soon. Demo up on Xbox right now, possibly other places. There we go. Uh, OK, quick. Sh- man, I feel like I have talked about this a million times, but I'm not sure that I have. Did I ever talk about Space Marshals here on the show?
1: You know, we've done eight hundred and seventy thousand shows. We have. And I, I don't feel know like, if I know.
0: Oh, man, I, I don't want to re- repeat the same thing. I was looking really quickly and I didn't see that I did, but I feel like I've talked a lot about it. Okay, maybe I've covered it. Maybe I haven't. I'll just really quickly just quick shout out for Space Marshals on the Switch. It is an isometric game where you use cover and stealth, and it's also kind of like a, a twin stick shooter a little bit. You play uh, in a space bound future where you are like a marshal who's on the hunt for some space criminals. Um, story's not super great, but that's not really the reason to play it. It's it's uh it's kind of one of those games where. There's literally nothing special about it, but everything that it does, it does really well. And just because it does that, it's kind of worth playing because it's like it's like a hamburger, right? Like a hamburger is like nothing special. It's like, a, you know, a patty. Well, it depends lettuce. on what
1: kind of meat you have, but go on.
0: Well, sure, sure. But like the concept of a burger is like, you know, you can get a burger a thousand places, a thousand places serve different burgers, whatever. But like when you get a burger that's like, The bun is, like, freshly baked, and the patty is super juicy just the way you like it, and there's just enough sauce, and the onion is fresh. You know, like, it's nothing special, but, like, when it's done perfectly, you're like, damn, this is so fucking good. I love Mm -hmm. this, you know? This is like what Space Marshals is. It's like a top-down isometric shooter. You use stealth. Um, I mean, like, you equip a couple different guns. You equip a couple different pieces of armor. Like, literally nothing special about it, and yet... Every single piece of it is tuned perfectly. Like, it's super easy and playable. Um, The controls work really well. The guns handle really well. There's just enough progression to make you feel like you're making progress every single time. There's just enough collectibles where you feel like it's fun and it's not a drag. And the graphics are, like, pretty good for the Switch. They're not mind-blowing. But it's like, yeah, this is good-looking. Like, it's like nothing special about this game. And yet, it's so polished. And people have put so much work into it that it feels... Like a very fun game to play and I'm just chipping away at it like a couple levels a night doing this top-down stealth hide behind things and shoot people when they're turned around and arrest the bad guys in space kind of thing. Like nothing special. Nothing special and yet it is special. Hmm. Uh, That is really strange for me but it is one of those games where describing it does not explain what's great about it. You have to just kind of check it out and I think the real beauty is in how it feels. It feels so smooth and so easy to play. Everything about it just comes together. It's just really, really done well. So if you want an action-oriented, real-time game, shooting people, hiding behind things, a little bit of stealth, a couple different guns to equip, if you just want to shoot some stuff on the Switch, this is the perfect game for that. I definitely recommend it, even though it sounds like it's kind of like a backhanded recommendation, which I don't mean it to be. But it is just like, everything about it is just perfect.
1: Yeah, no, I get that. I mean, like, again, if you do something well... Uh, it can be a basic type of gameplay, and you really are into it or addicted to it. By the way, this is also on a phone. There's a Google or Android version of it. Oh, is it? Okay, that yeah, makes perfect sense. It's $4, yeah. and also it's on the Microsoft Store, which means you could buy it, I think, and play it on your PC.
0: There you go. I think it's a perfect fit for the Switch. It's a great It's a great port to the Switch that's really readable, controls well, but I can imagine it being fine on any of those other platforms. Anyway, quick shout-out to Space Marshals. I've really been enjoying it, and I like it a lot even though it's kind of puzzling because there's nothing really outstanding about it, but everything about it is just really, really well done. So, cool. space marshals is good. Um, another quick shout-out to Curious Expedition 2. I guess more of a circle back than a shout-out. I talked about this a couple episodes ago. This is the 2D, kind of like a roguelike, uh, semi-RPG sort of a game where you play, like, explorers back in the day. You know, like, it was like when those... Uh, british people were bored and they needed to go conquer africa because they had nothing better to do oh, and geez. so they would go over there you know what i'm talking about that period the horrific
1: in times the horrific yeah it's terrible things they've done yeah
0: absolutely yes those people european people going to other countries to like steal their artifacts and to spread disease to their people because they were bored in england i don't know what you call that exact period in history but like you when you see it on tv like uh recently the jungle cruise that uh the rock and emily blunt was in you know you see the right 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 yeah like that period of like where they're wearing the poofy shirts and they're on like a wooden boat and they're going down like oh the yeah, top yeah. River i, I believe whatever. it was
1: called the asshole face or the asshole era that was very well a bunch of assholes went. in dumb clothing going and conquering things they shouldn't have done yeah
0: literally yes literally that, that exactly so that's what this game is you play a person who uh, is hiring people to go explore you got the poofy shirt you're bored back in england and you're sending people out to go explore um so I, I I tried to bring this to the show a couple episodes ago, and what happened was I hit a bug in the tutorial. I, if you remember, I tried to get through the tutorial, and I got stuck, and I could not figure out what was going on. I thought maybe I was misunderstanding things, and I kept I spent a lot of time on it, and I just realized, well, this has just got to be a bug because this doesn't make sense. And yeah, there was. There was a bug. The developers told me to simply skip the tutorial and move on, which to me is not a proper answer. I think the proper <laughs> answer is fix your tutorial. But apparently that bug was really crafty and was really good at not being squashed. Anyway, deleted the game, waited a while, downloaded it again, and I tried the tutorial again. Got through it this time, which was great. And I'm really glad that I went back to it because I really did want to see the tutorial. I feel like there was good information there. I'm glad I finished it and did not just go into the main game as they told me to. Um, So I'm just scratching the surface of it now. I really like the mechanics of it. I think it's really good. You get to a new land. You explore. There's like fog of war all over the whole land, so you don't really know where anything is. You're kind of just blindly exploring. Uh, along the way, you um, meet people like uh, natives or indigenous people. If you treat them with respect, so they will sometimes join you and help you out. If you don't treat them with respect, then you've got a fight on your hands. There's monsters. There's like giant spiders and all sorts of weird, uh, you know, things you'll run into. There's like alien technology that you can find. It's a Whoa. good blend of things, and it's kind of like this weird exploring back when anything anything would happen right like i guess back in those days they never knew what the limits of reality were so maybe there right, could be was giant be...
1: ants around the corner. exactly, exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah giant ants there could be a, a pyramid literally made of gold there could be you know who knows what right like you're going to find the edge of the earth where you just just empty space after that who
1: knows by the way it turns out there was no pyramid of gold and they just slaughtered a bunch of people so Basically. fun fact
0: fun fact fun fact I, by the way I,
1: i'm not on board with this game just based on the premise but go ahead Well, see, I
0: I called that out in my review. I reviewed the very first Curious Expedition, and that was a major thing that I called out, and I said, hey, your game mechanics are fun because I think that putting all this stuff into a roguelike structure is cool. Um, You know, you putting together a party of people is pretty fun. Exploring a land that you don't know where you're going is pretty fun. Trying to figure out, you know, trying to, um, you know, negotiate whatever the the people who live there and the the dangers that you don't know about and trying to find stuff. Like, those mechanics are all fun, but with Curious Expedition 1... I did have a lot of problem with like the setting, right? Like this setting of like English people being bored and going to these other countries. And it just didn't sit right with me. Right. And it still doesn't sit right with me. So I, I will vocally say that I'm uncomfortable with the subject material from that particular perspective, especially since colonization is something that we're talking so much about these days. Mm. Uh, But strictly from a gameplay perspective, I think it's really well done. I think it's put together really well. It looks good. It controls good. Once I got past that bug at the tutorial, I've had no problems with it. So I think it's a fun game to play. It's got good systems. It's a good roguelike that is not like your typical roguelike because it's so exploration based. Um, So I think there's a lot of good things about it. But yeah, I do have a really hard time getting behind the theme. It just it just doesn't sit right with
1: me. Yeah. But yeah, again, it's similar to, um, I don't know if it's similar, but you have a band, or like we just talked about earlier, there was a, a game that we might want to play, but we heard the developer's a douchebag, right? Do yeah. we still play the game? Or like the band you really like, they're all, three-fourths of them are douchebags, and they do terrible things, but you really like the albums. Yeah. It's like um, this game is fun, but you're not like 100% on board yeah. with the, the, the idea. By the way, this brings up a good quick tangent, and I, but your final thoughts are you like the game play,
0: I like the mechanics of it. I like, I think it runs well on the switch. It's a good port. Yeah. I just, am, I'm uncomfortable with the material, but otherwise I think it's a good game.
1: Yeah. So here's my quick tangent. I forgot who said this, but someone said like, wouldn't it be funny if, um, you know, all of a sudden those spaceships, which by the way are showing up everywhere now, which is interesting. Uh, you know, they, they finally land and are you talking about the
0: spaceships in real life. That's yeah. In real life. No, in real life. Real? Yeah, 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 so yeah. yeah. Gotcha.
1: And so they show up, like, in real life, and then one of them lands finally, and the doors open up, and who comes out is a 10-foot Native American, (laughs) and they have, like, laser rifles and everything, and what happened was, and this could be a video game, but someone came up with this idea. So, like, when they were getting slaughtered and, like, you know, wiped out, a bunch of them, like, were working at technology and, like, left, right? And they just, like, went somewhere, I don't know, Mars or something, and then they, like, honed in on, like, sci-fi, you know, working on their, their tech gadgets, and now they're coming back.
0: Yeah. That would be an amazing. That would be an amazing game. That sounds like an amazing book. It would make an amazing movie. Like anybody who wants to run with that idea, that please. Sounds
1: amazing. I know. Yes. I don't know who I heard it from, but I was like, I always think about like you know the, the role reversal of like uh, what a lot of these games do is they they take you know real life, which happened. It's just European yeah. settlers making shit, you know. But it'd be fun to see the opposite every once in a while you know just the opposite yeah speaking
0: of which just another tangent tangent off your tangent i don't know that i necessarily want to mention the title of this game because i don't want to give attention to something that may not deserve it but okay i was scrolling through the e-shop and i really like western games a lot i like the western theme the cowboys you know six shooters on your side riding horses that kind of appeals to me um so i anytime a game like that pops up i check it out i i picked one up for five bucks and that is within my my gambling range, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to throw away five bucks if it might be a pretty good game. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was not a good game. What ended up happening was it's a game where you choose between one of three, uh, I don't know, cowboy western themed. One was a lady, one was a regular looking cowboy dude, and one was kind of like a greasy looking villain type dude. Um, literally, the entire game was you going into these 2D environments and shooting Native Americans. That's all you did. Awesome. I was like, what is this? What is this real? I'm like, how did this get on the eShop? I'm like, this can't be it, right? Like, this can't be it. I'm like, the first level was just me shooting people who were depicted in a very racist trope Native American way, which was not cool. So I'm like, well, okay, let me get to the second level and see what happened. Nope. More of that. And I was just like, I, I deleted it immediately. And I'm like, how did this make it out of the eShop? Who made this game? Ugh. What is going on? Not fucking cool. I'm and not going to say the title, but.
1: You shouldn't. And I think I know what the game is. I saw, like, a trailer for it. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs>
0: Yeah. No no, just, no, no, no. Uh, cool, no, 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 no. Not cool.
1: Tangent off your tangent. This is a tangent tree. <laughs> Triple tangent. It's supposed Triple to be tangent. a short episode, but really quickly. Remember the only one of the only Native American games I had, or we have as natives to play, was that one that came out, and I can't think of the name of it right now. Is it My Land Is Your Land? That's it. Yeah, and yeah. I right? Isn't that it? Yeah, that's it. Third person, right? You're Native yeah. American. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You played it. Yeah, I played it. And even with my souped-up computer, I got a new computer at some point. It still ran bad, and it still was a little janky. And I was like, "This is the this is all I got," you know. And even though I was like, you know, set on like being a Native American and doing this thing, where some of the stuff was really cool with strategy and 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 adventure and, and action stuff, it's just tough to play it because it's kind of jank. So it's frustrating. There's no Native American warrior games for me.
0: Not a lot of good representation out there.
1: Moving on. Moving oh, moving on. I was I was right. Omnipresent. Present everywhere at the same time. That's what I meant, like a foreboding feeling. I thought you meant omnipresent, but you meant omnipresent. Oh, did I say omnipresent?
0: I mean, I thought you said it, but I, I think I could was be
1: saying wrong. omnipresent, and then I, yeah, that's, but I was right. Okay, good. good so on. I haven't Confirm. failed the word yet. Yay. Confirmed. There we go. All
0: right. Moving on. Uh, let's talk really quickly about Craftopia. Um, you brought it to the show. I want to say last week uh, you kind of found it on what game pass or something like that. Yeah, This is the third person crafting uh, a weird open world game. I watched the trailer of it and I was just like blown away by how <laughs> bonkers the trailer is. It's like dragons and Minecraft and mo- the Akira motorcycle. And then you're in a tank and then you're flying. And then there's like, w- like aliens and like you're farming and there's a robot. And I'm like, what is even happening in this game? Oh my God. Oh my, I just, God. I gotta get, oh, my God, I got to get into this game. Um, I told my son about it after you brought it to the show. He jumped into it and he loved it. Like, he just like, oh, yeah, he went whole hog. Oh, into yeah. it. And he's like, Dad, you got to play with me. And I'm like, cool. But I've got 47 million other games to play for review first. I do plan on getting to it. But I am very excited to hear your new update on Craftopia. And I'm wondering, do you still love it or did you like burn out and do you hate it now?
1: No, I, I still love it. Okay. Um, I, I'm on the, I'm on the verge of burning out because it is, it's, it's, a lot. And it is a type of game that I don't normally play, which is, you know, it, it kind of never ends. Right. right. And right. It, it's got a lot of simulator stuff in it uh, and survival, but it's fantastic and weird. And I love both of those things. I definitely like weird. And you said, let's talk about it shortly. It's kind of hard to talk about. I have been playing this like almost nonstop, but I'll try my best to make it a quick short version. Um, and now, it is single player or multiplayer, and it is a survival action game, but with RPG kind of true RPG elements and the fact that you have a pretty in-depth skill tree. Um, and then you have, you know, so many weapons you can find or make. And so there's crafting. Crafting is like a massive part of it, and I'm never a fan of that. But this, for some reason, it's just so fun. And you're constantly getting things, whether it be resources or leveling up. Uh, and I'll tell you how the game loopers here in a minute, but it because it does stuff so action based, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. where you're just yeah, it's running a around,
0: action where you're like doing combat. And stuff. Yeah, you're just it's doing just stuff all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that like the, the crafting, all that stuff happens, and the the planting of seeds, and there's gardening and stuff, and fishing. But really, it is just the moment to moment gameplay is fun because it's basically um, Wind Waker. Is that right, Zelda's or Breath of the World, Breath Breath of the Wild? How we say Breath Wind Wild, Waker. Yeah. It's that style. Genshin Impact mixed with Breath of the Wild. Yeah, okay. that sounds about it, yeah. And same colorful thing. It's not like the best graphics in the world, but they're they're good. And the other thing that I like about it, which I like in my games, it's got jank. I mean, it's got weird jank. Uh, the first jank is there's seagulls in the game, and I just stood next to one, and all of a sudden I was riding on the seagull as he took I, off.
0: I saw that video <laughs> you posted of you standing... Straight up, not even balancing or anything on top of that seagull's head. It was pretty amazing.
1: And he flew for a while, and I was like, all right, where are we going? So there's a lot of weird jank in it, but that makes it adorable. Like, it's really like adds charm to it. So what is the game? Here's the other thing that's so fun. The very beginning, whatever, spoiler, it's the beginning of the game. You start the game, and you literally are looking at a button, and you can only do one thing is push a button on your controller. You push a button, it pushes the button on the screen, and it blows up the world. (laughs) (laughs) And then you are in like a heaven type place, and the angels like, "Oh, you fucked up. You just blew up the whole Earth." And I was like, "I had no choice." So she's like, "It's okay. We're gonna give let you start over, and you can start with another Earth." And so essentially, they give you like, you know, I don't know if it's randomly generated or not, but it's probably partially randomly generated. And you go into a door, you go into this planet, and you start on like one little section, right? It's like a little island. And you look at the overworld map and there's like many, many blocks and those are the different kind of like places you'll go to at some point. But at the beginning, you're just on this one island. It's pretty big. And, you know, there's all animals there. There's monsters. There's dungeons. And there's just so much to do. Brad, I could see why your your kid got into it or anybody would. Yeah. Because the minute you get dropped in there, think Minecraft with Breath of the Wild, you just never want to leave. There's just like so much little fun stuff to do. So with the jank with that stuff the other thing that's really cool is you know there is definitely crafting There's, i made a little house i never get too much into that stuff but if you want that i mean there's so much stuff you can make um every time you upgrade like let's say your weapon table or your you know whatever like just the, the little tables you make stuff at it presents new things you can make right and here's the loop of the game Kill monsters, get experience points. There's, again, an insane skill tree. Like, from just combat or just, like, acrobatics or just, like, sneaking. There's one that's called tricks. You can, like, play dead for some reason. <laughs> it, it, Does it like, get
0: you to escape from a bear or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: There's just so much skills. And so if you just went in for, like, leveling up and opening skills, and, you know. And they do a really good job of, like, there's these little cards that say, do two or three things on this card, then you'll complete it and you'll get experience points. So like an example is like, you know, make the garden, right? Plant the wheat, harvest the wheat, do something else, and then you get experience points. Or it like expands your inventory, which is really important. So there's all these little mini tutorials that as another hook. Because if you know, you keep getting like little notifications that say, Hey, you just beat this one thing, it's like a dopamine rush. You know what I mean?
0: Exactly. Just those little the little check marks in your head that kind of keep you going—that little, that little chemical rush—that's like, oh, I, 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 got a, I got a goodie. I did a thing. I want, I I want thing. more of that feeling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah.
1: So that's the main gameplay that is so addictive, and making stuff, of course, and seeing the weird jank that happens. And then the second one is uh, there's two parts. One, you build a couple of different um, items on your island. One of them is the you progress the age, and so if you have enough things, and if you built enough things to fill the requirement you can progress the age to the next age, which basically is like instead of building wood tables you can make you know metal stuff and so it keeps going in that direction and that's why you see all the crazy stuff in the trailer because your goal is to basically bring civilization back and build more and more high-tech stuff
0: does it seem like there's an end to this game or is it just like one of those open world you're just going to dink around forever
1: i don't know i mean like looking at what you can build in it you don't ever need to beat it you know, because it's like it's crazy the kind of the ambitions you could have. Um, one example is there's these for some reason like hamster wheels that you can put animals in, and they like charge your batteries for you.
0: Oh yeah, those animal power generators. Yeah, yeah. My, son,
1: my son had those. That was awesome. Yeah, you can make a million of them, and you just have that like a farm of them. It's really weird. But um, but the cool thing about the age thing is it looks fantasy. But now I just opened up a motorcycle, you know, and I oh I just re- recently got a hoverboard. And that is really fun, just like to, you know, hoverboard around the island. That's uh, what's got
0: be interesting is like seeing the juxtaposition of all those things, because it starts out just like a real basic kind of like a, you know, like it seems like, you know, what it's going to go animals and chopping logs and, you know, crafting. But then the motorcycle and the tank and the dragons and the, you know, like the aircraft. And it's like, oh, OK, well, there's all sorts of other I, I love seeing those that jumble of elements, right?
1: Yeah, and the second gameplay loop, or third, I think at this point is the you can make a, a, a some sort of statue thing, and it lets you go to the different uh, parts of the map that I was saying. So you started the island, then there's like slow, slowly uh, boxes around you open up, and then you can pick those and, and travel to them, and they're different biomes. Like the one I just went to was fall land, and it was like all the you know colorful fall trees, and there was pumpkins, and there was like ghosts in a cemetery. And it immediately made you want to play more, right? Because you it's not like the same thing, rinse and repeat. Now you're in a different area and it feels different. And then there's also more resources, like I've never had pumpkin before. So now I might be able to craft something with it. So it is an endless loop, wild, like wildly addictive. Um, and there is also supernatural shit, like there's a, a god in the sky and most of the um, islands you have to go like build a, a ramp up to talk to him and then he can like upgrade you more it's just so much man the dungeons are pretty pretty simple but they're fun and there's a boss beat the boss you get another upgrade
0: i didn't realize there was even dungeons in that game there's That's dungeons, in the dungeons. That's there's amazing. dungeon in
1: every single map that you go to there's a new dungeon and then there's like a time trial thing or like you have to climb these walls it just kind of doesn't end it's weird it's uh maybe a pocket pair by the way i believe they're korean or asian company of some sort and they just built this world it's hard to leave so short answer is i love it uh it's weird as fuck i love it but i can see myself maybe burning out because i don't know i I haven't yet but i could see it potentially happening
0: probably got to pace yourself on something like that
1: yeah it's it's i've never played something like it really it's a really cool mix of things that uh i wasn't expecting to be sinking so much time into
0: I'm definitely looking forward to getting into it. I don't have time for it right now, but like I'm watching my son play
1: it, watching over his shoulder and I'm like, oh, that looks
0: really fun. I mean, janky, but rough, but also like really fun. It's got that wild spirit that kind of reminds me a little bit of like um, the PS2 days when like, like anything goes, like you would never know what you were going to get. And like people were really being experimental yeah. and, and trying just weird stuff and, you know, not putting so much money into like the polish and the presentation, but really trying to get concepts out there and just trying new mechanics and that's what this reminds me of it it really looks experimental and goofy and fun and yeah it's kind of janky and rough but i mean who cares as long as it brings like the energy and the and the freshness so i'm gonna check it out like as soon as i get yeah as soon as i get a chance i will
1: speaking of the jank just real quick is like yeah like i built a house but like the birds don't give a shit there's a house so like there's always a bird in my house because his you know his little route for he's supposed to fly is like in my house (laughs) or it's in that path right And then every once in a while, I come home and there's like just bird shit. And I'm like, oh, it's because (laughs) he has to shit every once in a while, I guess. And I guess I'm going to get it on my house now. Um, And another funny time was like, I just was building my first house and I wasn't really strong. And I aggroed a bear and the bear was very far away. I mean, very far away. And I ran all the way back to my house and he followed me and he went like in like fast forward motion. Like he just went super fast all of a sudden. It looked hmm. like a bug and he just like was ju- like in my window and he was in my house and I was like, kind of okay with that. You know, it was like, <laughs> Oh, and now I've got to deal with this all of a sudden.
0: There's a super fast bear in my house and I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah. That's, but
1: that's my real review right there.
0: There you go. All right. That sounds great. Definitely got to get into that ASAP. Uh, I would love to check this out in greater detail. All right. Let's get back to the game that we mentioned at the top of the show. Crown Trick, which is the reason that Britta is tuning in uh, this week. So hello again, Britta. Uh, This is a 2D roguelike uh, crafted in the very traditional sense in that nothing moves until you move. Uh, Every dungeon is divided up into squares. Uh, There's all sorts of little things. But in general, it's a pretty pretty traditional roguelike in that sense. We talked about it actually on episode 205. I knew I brought it to the show when it debuted on Switch. So I uh, ran back to the archives, uh, got the big metal key, opened up the door, climbed inside All that right. vault, and I found... Exactly, oh, exactly.
1: I failed. That's why we need a soundboard. Oh, my god! I, mean, I,
0: I know you're going for a squeaky All door. Right. I got I, it.
1: Wait, I can't do that. that try again. Try the again. octave. All right. Why can't I go that high? You need like a sip of <clears> water <throat> or something. <throat> All right. I can't do it. <laughs> wait, you do, do a creaking door. Do it. Oh, man, I, I I got too much testosterone, man. I can't do it. Well, then maybe I can't either. You do it. Do it. I can't. Just try. Creak. Oh, what a <laughs> pathetic try. Because... All right. Anyway, anyway, okay.
0: I'm in the vault, and the I vault. episode 205, I got the tapes out, put them on the real, the real tape recorder, and I was listening back to what I said, and I liked it. I liked it a lot back then. I said it was uh, traditional, but had a few cool spins, looked really good, played really good. I had nothing but good stuff to say about it, so I'm glad that that uh, I, I I did write by myself back in the day. I always meant to come back to it. In fact, it's been on my Switch this entire time. I never deleted it, uh, which I only... I mean, I delete so much shit off my Switch. It's kind of a joke. But I do keep the ones I want to come back to. So that was already on my Switch. I never got rid of it. So that means it was already baseline pretty good. And I was surprised to hear that you were getting into this. You could have knocked me over the feather when you came and said, hey, man, I'm playing Crown Trick, and I think it's good. And I'm like, what? Because that, to ah. me, is pretty pretty roguelike that's i mean if you were to ask me what a roguelike was crown trick checks most of those boxes so tell me kind sir how did you get into crown trick and like what is it about this one that you like that does uh that does something different than the other roguelikes you've tried
1: yeah i remember you talking about it and i remember um you know glossing it over probably like oh it's another roguelike i'm not gonna like it
0: whatever that's basically word for word what you yeah,
1: said. yeah that was my whole review um and then i saw it show up on game pass which was one of the few games I haven't played.
0: There we go. There we go. So
1: I checked it out. One, for one, you know, we both love art, and this is just a beautiful art style. Wow, it's, like, it's so cute looking. such incredible animation. Like, I just want to see a whole, like, short animation short with that I style. I mean, that,
0: yeah, the opening cinematic is fucking awesome, dude. It it's incredible. so good. Yeah, yeah, it's so good.
1: And then, you know, so the characters are really cool. The characters you meet in the world are also cool. And, um... And gameplay-wise, I'll tell you why I, I really like it. And I, I, kind, contrary to what you just said, there's a bunch of roguelikes that are just action-based that are not, you know, turn-by-turn. Turn. So I, I would say, isn't that the minority of a roguelike? No, those are,
0: those are the newer the newer ones. If you go back to the beginning of the of the genre, like when the genre started, it was always turn-by-turn, turn, nothing moved until you moved. Like that's right, basically like how the it actual went.
1: Like ASCII games, right?
0: I mean, yeah, and even past that, too, like some of the, like the most basic ones, like a Asheran or something like that, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, that kind of thing. Like, those were all following that template. It's only been recently that mm. people have gotten into the real time action, you know, something like Hades or something like that. Or Children of, Children of Morta. Children of Morta, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, those are more recent. But so, when I think of a traditional roguelike, I think of turn by turn. That's what comes up for uh, me. And that's interesting. what this one. Finds, okay. You
1: know. Well, I, I would say that, yeah, in my defense, most of the ones we talk about in the show are action based. More recent ones, yeah. for sure, yeah. So, anyways, that being said, I, I like it because. The action of roguelikes, if I fucking fail or I'm just bad at the mechanics or whatever, you know, it's it's lights out and I have to do it all over again. But this one, because it is that slower paced, I can think about shit. And that's like the number one reason I'm still playing it, because I don't feel as dumb in these games because I'm like, okay, I get what my power move is. I get what my items I have. And I've like, you know, like any other roguelike, you've prepared yourself for the the new dungeon or whatever. And I just feel so much more in control, even with bosses. Now I haven't played a ton, but I would say there's two things I like about it. One, off the bat, they start you and it it's not like terribly hard, right? I feel like you can I might you they, they literally hold your hand, they get you to a boss, and they you're gonna beat that boss, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. And I played other roguelites where you're dying right away, you know, you don't even get that kind of hand holding. So I just felt good about the process and like how to play it because they did such, in my opinion, a great tutorial all the way up to a boss and then afterwards. And so I just felt like empowered. Right. Which, oh, you know,
0: that tutorial is great. As I, I, really I, I went is. through it last night. I wanted to refresh my memory for the show today. And as I was going through the tutorial, I'm like, you know what? I feel like maybe they've tweaked the tutorial. I don't think it was this good before, but it's an excellent tutorial right now. Uh, like they explain every aspect of it step by step and like. I had a question and my question was answered like by the very next thing that came up in the tutorial and I'm like oh amazing like this is great I had no questions by the end of it and I got back into it like a good tutorial I think despite what some people want to say I think a good tutorial is just key to any game I love a really good tutorial
1: I 100% agree I am mean, again like and also it's like the level of enemies that you put in front of you you know it's like there was a challenge near the end and the boss was still a challenge but I felt like they wanted me to win that, right? Right, So right. you could be like, oh, I feel good about what I just learned and whatever. And even – the so I fought, I think, two more bosses, two or three more bosses, and I beat all of them. And I'm like, I'm, I'm never this good at roguelikes because <laughs> I think it's that combination of pacing, the weapon delivery, whatever they're doing with, like, with, you know, what you can upgrade and, and what you're getting in those random drops uh, matched with the fact that it's that turn-based because – You know, I was, I finally lost last night for the first time against a boss, but I got him down really low. And I was like, that's on me. You know, I'm fine with that loss because I had plenty of moves. Again, no timing. I didn't didn't have a rush around. Exactly. And I was literally going like, oh, I don't have any more items left. I guess I mismanaged one thing. Like I should have brought the health potion instead of the fucking fireball scroll. Right. And I was like, I could have done this better, but that's an awesome place to be. So like
0: c- Okay, so let's pause this for example. Yeah, Cause yeah. what you literally just said, that whole thing you said that exactly is why I love row That thing of turn by turn, you're constantly strategizing. It's all about like, what items do I have? How can I best use the items that I've found? Which item should I take? Which one's going to benefit me more? What's going to work better with my play style and being able to just pause and strategize like nothing's rushing at you. Right. As long as you don't move, nobody else is moving. So you can just really take in the board and think about what your options are. Where can I move? What's safe? What's not safe? What do I have? If I hit this guy, it's gonna hit me back. How much life, you know, can I can I afford to lose before getting out of this room? Like that whole minute-to-minute, like constant reevaluation, constant strategizing, is what I love most about roguelikes. And that's kind of some of the things that we've gotten away from with more recent roguelikes, where they've kind of become real-time and action-based. They, there are still things that I like about the new ones, and I'm I, I like them both. I'm, I'm not saying I like one over the other, but if I had to pick just one, I think I would pick the turn-based roguelike because I really do love that, like, constant tactics, constant evaluation, yes. constant re-evaluation. I love that part. I mean, I, that's, that's what makes the, the genre so great.
1: And it's interesting to, to that point, Boyfriend Dungeons is the opposite of that, right? Like, it's like, opposite, here's a yeah. million things that are going to kill you, and you're not going to survive this. And it's action-based. And also, I don't like the mechanics. Like, I feel like I'm fighting the controls. But that's that's what I'm saying. Like if boyfriend dungeon was turn by turn, I might have played it a little longer. I mean, I didn't want to go on dates with all those guys, but still.
0: Exactly. And And that's kind of why I feel like it's not even really a dungeon crawler. It just has like randomized elements like a roguelike, you know, like I feel like there's certain criteria you have to meet to really be a roguelike. And a lot of people it's like souls like these days, like it's just becoming a thing that people are just saying without really understanding what defines that title. So I think we're gonna we're seeing a lot of people get loosey-goosey with roguelike.
1: And I think uh, that's why I'm going to like Curse Golf, I'm guessing, because I feel like it is that you've got to take a shot of golf. We talked about last show. Uh, Google Curse Golf. I'm excited for it. Um, you, you take a shot, right? And I, I'm i feeling that's going to be turn by turn, right? I don't think you're going to be rushed oh, to yeah, do a I golf mean, shot. You know, sure, you make a shot and your, so, shot, you your turn. And course, so yeah. I love that because that's strategizing a golf shot move in a – roguelike type game Um, we've I think we've uh, you know finally and I could have probably back in episode 205 we've come upon what uh, type of roguelikes I like because this is it like I there's no reason for me to stop playing like I might get super sad if I lose to a boss like a bunch of times but so far the only boss I lost to I kind of understood why I did and again to 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 reiterate about the gameplay loop you meet people in the world and you bring them back to your main hub and then that skill tree opens up permanent fucking upgrades. Yep. Yep. You which is a huge upgrades. another part of it, right? And exactly, I feel like, yeah. oh, all my hard work was for something. And uh, I really, I really like it a lot. Yeah, yeah,
0: I love, I love the balance of the the randomness of each run because you don't know what weapons you're going to get, you don't know what items you're going to get, you don't know even. Um, what abilities you're going to get? We didn't really mention this, but like when you beat a mini boss, they become a helper and you can. Oh yeah, them. the
1: familiars.
0: Yeah, so you can. So if you beat a boss, like there's like a big chicken, there's like a dragon, there's like a water dude or whatever. When you beat these big monsters, or you know, they're not boss bosses, but they're mini bosses, and you can you gain their powers, and so you can equip. I mean, I can equip. I think up to two of them right now. I don't know if that.
1: Yeah, yeah, later, I can but, do two too.
0: Yeah, so that's a really great thing. So you don't know which bosses you're going to get, but you do know. That when you come back to the hub of the game, there are certain things that are just going to keep improving. So I just, like I said, I restarted my game last night, erased my old data because I didn't remember what I was doing, started fresh. And like you said, the first lady uh, you unlock is like the potion maker or something. And she unlocks uh, permanent upgrades to your life up. So like you have a little Estus flask, like a little life up flask. And like the first one is like, uh, you know, use it one more time. So instead of one use to your life up, you get two life ups. And then the next upgrade is like, oh, it'll do like 25% more healing. So even if you lose a run, if you have enough resources to buy that thing, the next time you go on a run, you're going to get that much further because you can drink two health potions instead of one. And you're going to get a bigger boost the next time. And like you can unlock lots of those things in the dungeon. And just that little bit of progression, that permanence, Really does empower you to feel keep going. Like if it was just a complete wipe, like the old, old, old school rogues, like that's that's too soul crushing. Yeah. And then some of these other ones just don't give you enough. But I need there's like a very fine balance, and I think all the good ones do it. My wife right now is actually going through Hades, which, uh, you know, Hades. Just to be perfectly honest, is not my favorite roguelike, but I don't really have any criticisms of it. I think the systems are amazing. There's like so much story, so much progression, so much things that are in there to like keep you going. It's a, it's a very masterclass example of like how to set up that breadcrumb trail to, for a perfect roguelike to keep you coming back. So I think Crown Trick does a lot of that uh, that same magic as well.
1: Yeah, and by the way, they do for sure. And another thing that I just remembered that I love about it, and literally is game-changing for me, which is so funny. It's just one mechanic, but the warping. Oh, the-
0: yeah, we should probably mention that. That is, that is actually very... Do you want to go into that? Real yeah, quick?
1: it's it's like a teleportation thing that she has the ability to do. Now it definitely takes a resource, and so you can run out of using it. But what's great, again, they're helping you at every turn. Like you get to certain sections and boss sections, and they refill it for you. So whatever you used uh, will refill. So you can know that if you're taking on a boss or a familiar, you'll probably have your warp power back. And what your warp power is, these the whole thing is like, you know based on the little squares. Um, and you can move around anywhere on the map, The when you use the teleportation, it'll give you a limited range, but a, it's pretty big of where you can teleport to. And that is invaluable, especially with bosses. Because oh, yeah. literally he's cornering me, and I'm in the corner, and I just teleport behind him, and I see his upcoming move, because again, it's turn-based. So I go away from his upcoming move, I go right behind him, I do my familiar, and I'm all good. So it's a beautiful mechanic
0: that I think is probably one of the most genius things that crown trick adds. I mean, you know, because in a roguelike like this, where it's turn by turn and the whole thing is based on a grid. I mean, positioning is so key. Like, you know, you might have to skip a turn to get into a better position or wait for a guy to expose himself. So you can like, you know, get the upper hand and not take the incoming hit. You know, there's all sorts of like little turn by turn tricks you can do to like really, uh, you know, improve your chances of success. But that teleport is just like clutch because if you get in a corner and you can't get out or someone's about to drop a big fireball on you and you're going to just eat it right in the face, if you have that teleport, you can get out. Like you said, like get out from that danger zone, teleport behind the enemy, get them in the, you know, as a backstab or something. That's really great. But it's also balanced because you just can't you can't spam it, right? You can only do it, I think, maybe four or five times and then it runs out. So you got to be cautious. But you like you said, if you get to a new zone, they refill it for you. And if you're really good about chaining your attack combos, you can refill it on the fly. Like if you're good with chaining attacks, you can refill your magic and refill oh, your right. teleports. Yeah. And so like if you're on a roll, you're just dealing damage like crazy, like teleporting all around, like just hitting dudes. And as, if you keep it going, it just keeps refilling so you can keep it going and just keep that wind train
1: rolling. Oh, that's... It's, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a great it's a great system. Crown Trick is just really well done. I love everything about it. It's really smart in all respects. Very, very good stuff.
1: That reminds me of one last thing before we l- 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 let it go um, is... There, the, there's environment stuff too, right? So when you are saying if you keep chaining things together, you keep having your warp power. I remember a familiar or boss I was fighting and there was all these barrels that could explode, you know, all yep, around the yep. map. And so I was like, literally one of my skills was like drop fireballs from the sky. And so it just hit everything, right? Uh, and so everything was blowing up. I kept warping around, blowing up more barrels. And literally what's the awesomest thing is you can skip a turn. So when you skip a turn, they still come at you. But most, lots of times, if you time it right, they'll go walk into fire. Yeah. Or they'll yep. walk into something that you just set up basically like a trap. So I remember one time I just basically was warping around the whole screen, just doing spells. Like I didn't have to fight really. I was just like, yeah. spells, fu- warp. And because it was a combo, like you said, it just kept refilling. So I literally went around the board warping and blowing things up. And nothing felt better than that because, you know, I'm not good at these games.
0: Well, you know, I'm glad that you connected with this one. I'm very curious to see how you do. I think this is a really well-done one. And, you know, the mix between the classic style of a turn-by-turn presentation, the turn-by-turn tactics, like the, the teleporting, using environmental tactics. I mean, this game basically has it all. I think it's just a really, really well-done roguelike. And I would definitely recommend it to anybody who is interested in the genre. I think it's just a great example. So uh, I'm, I'm back into it now because you talked about it. And if you're going nice. to keep going, I'm very curious to see. How we end up. Uh, yeah. This is good stuff. And Britta, I hope we covered it to your satisfaction. And definitely let us know how you're coming along with it. I know that you started it a day or two ago. So let us know uh, how it's progressing. There we go. That is Crown Trick. Uh, moving on, let me speak for a few minutes about the new DLC for Frostpunk. Did you ever play Frostpunk, Carlos?
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> i just... We, we've done too many episodes because you've, uh, you might've asked me that question. I'm sure I have four times. I think at this point though, we, we might have to like, you know, get something checked out. <laughs> I don't even remember, dude. What did you oh, say last time? Oh my goodness. Well, first off, we both talked about it on the show at least once or twice. Probably. I think I, I think I brought it to you. Maybe you did. I Who think knows, I did. Man. Cause you were like, Carl's that weird strategy game. I really like it. And then I'm just you, living in the moment here, man. Like, okay, you know, I'm it's living for I'm not. So whatever I'm not, happens today is just. you know, Okay, we've never talked about it before. Brand new yes. game to the show. What's this? Fr- no, I have played Frostpunk, and I didn't play the DLC. But I thought we talked about it on this show already. But maybe we've we not did.
0: talked about it. We, okay. So there was Frostpunk. Okay, for people who don't know, it is a isometric real. Well, I mean, I don't want to say it's a real-time strategy. It's, it resembles a real-time strategy game, although you can pause it. You can anytime, pause it. So I yeah, guess yeah. that doesn't. I guess that kind of negates the real-time aspect of it. But, uh, you know, it's set in a future where the world is turning cold. You have the last remaining bastion of humanity huddled around this giant generator. And your job is to keep the generator running and produce enough heat for the people who are living around it so they can survive this bitter cold. You also have to, like, find enough coal to power the generator, somehow find enough food, build people enough houses. There's like a hundred different problems that you're going to get running this this uh, like totally like apocalyptic little uh, bastion of people. Um, So it's, it's all kinds of challenges, but there's also like, you know, you're just managing the whole thing, making sure the the generator doesn't break down and people don't revolt and nobody freezes to death. And it's, it's just a really great game. I had a great time with it um, when I jumped into it, not something that I usually would play, but I think that the ability to pause was a big plus for me. Also the entire game basically takes place on just like one screen more or less, And I really liked having everything just in view so I could feel like I had a pretty good control of what was going on. Uh, Usually with like an RTS kind of game, you know, I'll be on the east side of the map and something's happening on the west side and I'm missing what's going on. And I get over there and my resources are gone. And then by the time I get that sorted, something's wrong on the other side of the map. And I just it's really frustrating to me. I don't enjoy enjoy that. Um, So I like that. So I I really like Frostpunk a lot. Uh, After you beat the game, which I did beat, uh, there are three bonus scenarios and I beat all those as well. That might have been what we talked about uh, the last time we had it on the I show. I think that's right, yeah. Where you have like three different areas you're going to with different challenges. Those were all very cool and neat. I enjoyed them all. Uh, but this is brand new DLC. It just came out, I want to say, last week. Uh, it's been on PC for a while, but it's new to console, which is where I played it. Uh, one is called The Last Autumn. This is DLC that takes place before the main game, before the world became cold. So everything is like normal Earth temperature, and you are trying to build the generator uh because scientists have a feeling that the earth is going to get cold soon so they want to get this done before the cold sets in uh the other dlc is called on the edge uh that is takes place after the ending of the main game when the world is still frozen uh, i have not gotten to that one yet and i'll tell you why because i am super stuck on the last autumn and it is just crushing my soul dude. Oh. It's, it's killing me it is it is hurting me my feelings it is, is making me feel bad as a person jeez um so i really like this game a lot i love i want to be super clear i love Frostpunk. i recommend it to anybody who even people who don't think they like rts games like me i don't like them in general but i love this one i think the tone is great the artwork is great themes are great it's just really really well done it works great on console um but this last autumn dlc it's like post-game dlc and i feel like they've got it ratcheted up just a little bit too high um you have to so it's it's nice because you don't have to worry about the cold the earth is not cold at this point it's just normal temperature so it's autumn out yeah it's like autumn like it's it's you know a little bit of nippy in the air but it's it's fine you don't wait, need wait, to wait.
1: Like, is this a prelude because they called the last autumn because it's about to go to the snow age
0: exactly it is the last oh. autumn before the snow age it's, it's a sad the moment autumn. then it is definitely a sad moment um so that's what you're doing like you go to this place uh, the generator is not built so there's a giant hole in the ground. You need to, like, get enough metal. You need to ship in some workers. You got to ship in some food. You got to get this thing built because the people don't know what's happening, but the scientists know what's happening and nobody's telling the people. So they're like, why are we out here building this thing? And they're like, shut up and just earn your paycheck. <laughs> and so that's kind of cool. Like, I like that whole tone and knowing what you already know for the main game. Like, you know where this is going. Like, the Earth is going to freeze soon. And it's just a really neat little kind of, like, uh, companion piece of the main game. But the problem with the last autumn is i mean number one i was playing frost Punk like a year ago so i forgot everything about the game and jumping back into like post-game dlc is a challenge i struggled and struggled i feel like i got back into it now but the learning curve was pretty steep so i wish i had played it back in the day but putting that aside the the the, the gimmick to the last autumn is that you don't need to worry about the cold anymore no one's going to freeze to death which is great and at first you're like well that's amazing this is going to be so easy because no one's going to freeze i don't got to worry about nothing yuck 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 totally super not true because you're on such a tight timeline before the snow comes in you're just like racing against the clock from from the jump right Mm. like there's constant deadlines constant things you got to like race to and there's always like 15 things going wrong at once it's like uh the working conditions in the pit are terrible and we're going on strike and this these people are too sick and we don't have enough doctors and hey we're out of coal over here and what's going on with this and it's like there, I mean, that's basically what the main game of Frostpunk is, but it just feels like there's one element too many. And I think for me, the thing that really kind of broke my brain was that there's a lot of new elements in, in this in DLC that were not there before. So you're building new buildings. These buildings make new resources and you have to kind of like learn what they do and what they're for. And the only way to really learn that is by failing. And so I'm not a big fan of that, right? Like, I feel like in the original Frostpunk, they were giving you more of a heads up. Like for example they'd be like, hey, there's a big storm coming in nine days. We should probably have 500 units of coal saved up right. and 1,000 units of food. Goes, That's probably what we should do. It right? goes back
1: to the tutorial kind of. Exactly, way. exactly. Yeah.
0: So that, so I felt like even though Frostpunk is pretty hard, they gave you enough warning, and once you knew, like, hey, I better pay attention to that warning, then it was fine. Uh, with this one, I feel like they don't give you enough warnings, and there's so many new elements of, like, Hey, the guys are on strike. You better solve it. And I'm like, "How do I even solve the strike? I don't I don't even know what buttons to push to solve the strike, right? Cuz it's a new mechanic and mm. they don't tutorialize it very well. And it's like, "Oh, hey, we have these new things that we're building. We need to have safety precautions because the workers don't want to get killed." And I'm like, "Cool. How do I even do that? Like yeah. I don't even know how I do it." And it took me like two or three runs through the game before I'm like, "Okay, now I know." it's in a menu within this other menu. And if I click left on this tab, then there it is. And I didn't know where it was. So I feel like you're kind of doomed to fail the first three or four runs minimum because you're just learning all the new stuff. But I feel like it's kind of too much stuff. And I feel like the, the time span that you're working with is really tight. I mean, I've, I've tried it, I think maybe eight times and I failed every single time and I get a little bit further every time, but I don't ever feel like this is the time I made it. Like I got it all figured out. I just feel like I'm just like, I'm paying I'm I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul. Like if I do better one way, then I'm doing worse another way. And if I try to shore up that other thing, then I'm doing worse on the first thing. And I just I just haven't figured out the solution. And it feels a little bit like like maybe there's one specific way you should be doing this, and I haven't quite figured that out. Whereas in the main game, I feel like there's many I feel like there's many different approaches you can take, and maybe not one of them is correct. One might be easier, one might be harder, but it felt like there was several ways you could win it. And this way with the last autumn. I mean, maybe that's not true. Maybe there's multiple ways you could do it. But to me so far, it feels like with as much fail as I'm eating, it feels like I'm just not rocking right. the key to unlock the whole thing. And I'm just I'm failing and failing, and failing. I like it. I love Frostpunk. I think this is a cool DLC, but wow, it is really hard. And I just I'm struggling with it. So I'm going to take a break because I just I just I'm getting really depressed and sad and I can't do this anymore. Yeah, you don't. So, want that out of your Yeah, I got to kind of put it up for a while and because i didn't finish the last autumn i have not touched on the edge yet so i will get to that at some point uh hopefully that will be i don't know challenging in a different way so So we'll see what what goes on
1: and do you think on the edges like uh takes place time wise after that one right
0: yeah that is after the main game so the world is still frozen i'm not sure exactly what's going on i mean i guess it's got to be about How do we continue to survive when the world Uh, keeps plunging towards absolute zero? So yeah, we'll see what that
1: one's about. To back you up, though, I've not played this expansion, but I did play the the original Frostpunk, and you're right. I mean, I I don't remember failing as much, and I feel like I took a bunch of random shots at things. Like I made like the Warlord Hut, right? Like you make these, and I was like, I don't know what that does. Which, by the way, means that even in the original, they didn't really tell me much because. I don't remember being told what they what they do. And I was like, I'm going to send them out to hunt. I guess is that a good thing? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't like eat shit for it. I remember like getting pretty far in that game without like you know before I like died the first time. And then yeah, I don't know. And oh, by the way, th- did they also do one of my favorite things for Frostpunk? Is that you can look at like, individual people?
0: Oh yeah, that's still there. You can I, zoom in on I, any I one that. citizen. Yeah, like one please. kid's
1: like one kid's like he's playing, and then one like lady's like she's super depressed. <laughs> and she's just laying down for a bit like i don't oh, know. yeah not i got to kick out of there
0: that. yeah you have the citizen micro stories if you want to zoom in on everybody you can do that there're still the same story events that pop up like oh there's an explosion in the mine what do we do and oh right. hey the people need amputations do you pay for them or don't you and you know like there's there all sorts of that stuff which is great i just i just feel like it's kind of um falling prey to that like typical post game dlc where the developers are just like making it harder like i don't know about you but like if i want dlc i kind of want Either, I mean, I don't want to say I want exactly more of the same. I mean, I want something that's different. I don't necessarily want harder. I think I just want different, right? And the first first three DLCs uh, were all that. Like, in the first DLC, it was like you had no workers, but you had a bunch of robots. And so you had to figure out how to best use the robots. In one of the other DLCs, it was like, oh, you had to, like, preserve these seeds. And, like, above all, you had to make sure the seeds didn't freeze. So what was required for that? And in this other one, it was like you had so many people, like, you couldn't feed them all. And what do you do? And who do you let inside the city? And who do you not? And so they each had like different challenges, but I wouldn't say that they were necessarily harder. They were just different, but I feel like the last autumn, I mean, at least to me, it feels like it's just harder with more yeah. things to juggle and a tighter timeline, which isn't necessarily what I want from this experience, but I'm not quitting. I like, I love Frostpunk in general. I really, really want to finish this one. It's kind of eating away at me, so I'm going to come back to it, but it's on pause for
1: now. Real quick tangent. And this is, yeah. this is the tangent episode. Uh, maybe write that down. Every
0: episode Um, is a tangent episode. So
1: the tangent is, yeah, how frustrating is it? Developers, like, if someone's beating your game and they want DLC, like, I think it should be a reward, right? Like, it shouldn't be like, let's make it harder for them. Let's make it challenging. It's like, no, let's give them more playground or, like you said, just a different approach. Um, I think that is 100% true for a lot of DLC um, so yeah, that is frustrating. Just, I should think it should be a different, different perspective or if anything easier, just cause you know, you want to be in that world more. I don't know. Yeah.
0: It's, it's, it's tough. I mean, and I've played with the settings. I've tried to like make it easier on myself and like, it just doesn't really seem to make a difference. It's really challenging. And I guess I'm just not looking for challenge at this point. I'm just looking to like explore the world. And it just kind of takes in the story. And I just, I love the, the ambiance on the whole thing. It's really good, and really well done. So, yeah. I'll try again. We'll keep cracking at it. Um, Let me move on to one other thing real quickly here. Uh, Sniper Ghost Warrior Contracts 2, which must be in the running for the longest title. Uh, yeah, I would say. Show. Uh, was sent a code for this from the publisher for the purposes of talking about it right now, which we are literally doing in real time. Is um, this,
1: real quick before that you get started, is this uh, no. in, in any way. Related to Sniper series. Like, I think I played Sniper 4 Elite, I want to say. I'm running it down right now. Yeah, I played you Sniper know, 4 Elite.
0: I think Sniper, that series, I believe, is by Rebellion. And it is I by Rebellion. And I don't think this is by Rebellion. This oh, is by okay. CI Games. So I think it's okay. a different, same subject material, but a, a different approach and different, not related, although they both have Sniper. Ta- in the
1: title. Tangent. People, if you want a Sniper game, I know you're about to talk about a Sniper game, so yeah, I'm, yeah, not, I'm not <clears throat> stepping on any right? Your your own review, but I don't even like those types of games, and I really had a fun time with Sniper Elite Four. That's all I'm saying. Uh, That's really good, that good to know. It's random. I played it randomly, and it was like super fun. I don't know why. Okay, go ahead.
0: All right, right on, right on. Um, so yeah, Sniper Ghost Warrior Contracts. 2. I still can't get over that title. It's goofy. Um, It is a brand new sniper game, as you can probably guess from the title. This is, uh, it's kind of like a sci-fi, and not crazy wild sci-fi, but it's sci-fi in the sense of, like, you've got some equipment that doesn't quite exist in the world just yet. Like, for example, um, you have a face mask, which is, like, full of technology, and it, like, syncs up with your scope on your gun. Like, I don't think that's a real piece of technology, which seems like somebody could maybe invent that but nobody has invented it yet it's just near future kind of stuff right so it's not wild spaceships and stuff but definitely a few things like there're these bullets you have which i mean i guess they have little like ai chips built inside the bullet. so if you have to make a really long shot and you're having a lot of trouble aiming you can just fire and the bullet will find the target for you it'll like auto adjust on its like own like a mini
1: drone or a mini Exactly missile. like a mini yeah. like a
0: bullet drone sort of a thing so as far as I know, that's not a real technology, but it seems like maybe somebody can invent that, although people, please don't invent that. I'm don't sure need, it's
1: invented.
0: We don't need more
1: death, we don't. death-bringing
0: technology. Anyway, so so it's that kind of uh, environment where there's like just like technology plus one sort of stuff going on. Um, so it's pretty neat. Graphics are great. Uh, it kind of starts out with sort of like a Far Cry system where you're going into a country, uh, you want to depose the ruler, and along the way there's like all these generals who are below them, so you need to go and like take out the people who are below those sub-generals, and then eventually you get to the general, and then, you know, eventually you get to the, the leader of the country. You know, pretty standard progression, which I think is fine. Makes sense. Uh, one thing that I think was really strange is that from the opening sequence, it seems like you're kind of a bad guy, or you're a bad guy going after other bad guys. Basically, the conflict is that uh, there's destabilization in the region, and these rulers that you're there to depose were bad people, but people, we I guess the people who are hiring you didn't care because, you know, the, the oil was flowing and now that the oil is not flowing, you're being sent in to get that oil flowing again. And it's like, well, that, huh, feel kind of weird about that. Like, I feel like I'm getting sent in to just kill somebody to make sure the oil starts flowing, not because I want to free the people or not because they're doing violence to anybody. It's just be, it's like a financial sort of a thing. Mm. So that's a very interesting approach. I did not get very far in this, this story, so I don't know how it goes. But that opening sequence really did kind of, like, give me pause for a moment about, huh, I don't know if I feel super good about doing this. Although,
1: but. that being said, there's so many military games out there right now that you shouldn't be feel good about what they're doing either. Because I mean, if you true, look at it in space yeah. value, you know.
0: I mean, absolutely true. And I think it just kind of goes to show, I guess I just don't play many military games in general. Right, right. So You're like, wait, this this is, yeah. <laughs> is
1: this
0: what they do? Is this all military games now? Because this makes me feel a little bit skeevy. Um, but getting to the mechanics, I think the mechanics are pretty well done. And I will say... That although I do not have a lot of experience with sniper games in general, this one really took a lot of time in the tutorial to explain how your gun worked. And they really, like, got into it. Like, several different scopes, different, like, things you could adjust on your scope. And they kind of explain like, what the little crosshair hatches are for. And, like, how to measure your target to know how many yards away they are. And then there's, like, a little thing that talks about, like, bullet drop. Because, you know, bullets... Are subject to gravity and they fall over the length of time that they're in the air. Yep. And there's also like a wind speed sort of thing. And if the wind is blowing, it's gonna push your bullet ever so slightly to the side. And you can turn all that stuff off if you want. If you want to just like super hardcore, go for it. Uh, but like me, like I'm not super experienced with doing these, and I turned everything on and it was great because there was like so much help that was available. Like the scope showed you like a red dot, but the red dot was not on your target. The red dot was actually on where your bullet was gonna go. So it took into account automatically like the distance and the bullet drop and the wind and the speed and all that stuff. And so it was like, oh, your target is right here in the middle of your crosshairs. But what you really want to do is you want to aim three feet up and two feet to the left, because when the bullet gets to where they are, it's gonna move that far. And then you'll hit your target if you follow the advice that your like Roboscope is giving you. So I mean that part was pretty cool, and I it was really interesting to see how wrong i was when i was like judging my shots
1: oh yeah I'd be like
0: i think i needed to shoot right here and it's like a mile away from the target right so like having all that automatic help was great and i really appreciated seeing those systems so i just uh just cracked it today i mean the graphics look good i'm in the the, the world where you're kind of creeping through you got to uh you get dropped off on the edge of a map you got to sneak your way through uh you know avoid soldiers or kill soldiers you're trying to get to a sniper perch and once you get to the sniper perch is when you take your you're, you know your shot up against the bad guys so it seems pretty cool so far I don't know about the story question marks on the story uh, whether you're a shady character or not uh, but in terms of mechanics it seems really well done and really really geared towards uh, people like me who maybe are not the greatest snipers and there's a lot of assistance there to help you kind of get through it so pretty neat from that respect
1: um, quick question on like the actual yeah. shots like I yeah. I always get kind of like weird when I talk about shooting people in games even now um, but. The thing I liked about Sniper Elite 4 and that zombie one, Zombie Army. Is that what it's called? Oh, yeah,
0: Zombie Army. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh,
1: uh-huh. Both those had this really cool, like, slow, slow-mo, you know, kill cam, all that kind of crap. Um, but it actually made it satisfying, you know, because you had, like, these moments where you do a headshot or whatever, and it's, like, it's slow motion, you know. Does it do that kind of stuff?
0: I believe it does. Uh, I haven't gotten any really juicy kills yet, but in the menu there was uh... – Something about, like, bullet cam, you can, like, have it happen more often or less often, and then you can scale the gore up or down.
1: So oh, okay. I believe
0: I am in for some pretty gory kills, but I haven't haven't gotten any really good shots off
1: yet. It just made I, me, like, there's this dumb. loop when a, a good sniper game, again, yeah. I don't play many of them, but that Sniper Elite really 4, and it sounds like this one probably does it well, too. It's just there's, like, a hook. You know, it's kind of like, um, ooh, that's somehow satisfying in a gameplay way, not, like... I made the guy's head blow up, but like right. you, you did whatever you were calculating the stuff you just talked about, the distance or whatever, it's like a puzzle. And then when you do that and you get it, it just feels like, you know, you won its mini game.
0: Exactly. That's like you're, you're, instead of a jackpot, you get like an exploding, uh, scrotum off of like, a Oh, you had to go there. Away. Jeez. Louise. I mean, it
1: happens. It happens. I don't think it's ever happened, but go. Okay. No,
0: that is, that is legit.
1: That is a real thing. Oh my you goodness.
0: i in, in his rotten nutsack and it'll explode. So. I forgot. That is a, yeah, legit. All right, that is Sniper Ghost Warrior Contracts 2. I have one more game, Carlos. We're kind of oh off-kilter with today's do. script. Yeah, because I'm just one done. Final... I'm out of games yeah, over here. You're out of games. Okay, so wanted to check with you really quickly before we roll to a close here. Uh, stealth Launch, I guess? I didn't hear much about this game before it launched. Oh, I the thought article... you were saying that's
1: the name of the game and you didn't no, no, know no, no, it. No, 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 no. The so no, next game was... is Stealth Launch?
0: That's a cool name for a game, <laughs> but no, that is not That's not the name of the game. I I meant to say, like, this game that I'm about to talk about got kind of a stealth launch because I don't know a lot of people knew that it was coming. I didn't hear a lot about it before it released. Uh, I I got contacted by PR from Annapurna. Uh, We talk about Annapurna pretty often on
1: the show. I'm listening.
0: Uh, I'm always interested in what they have to say. Uh, So PR reached out ahead of time, and they are like, hey, would you like to review... The Artful Escape. Have you heard about this one?
1: Oh, I have. Yeah, I have. Okay,
0: so maybe you heard some PR. I didn't hear a lot about it. It kind of just like came out, it feels like, but they did give me a pre-release copy for the purposes of review and to talk about it on the show, which I'm doing literally right now. And my review, speaking of which, is up on GameCritics.com right now, so you can feel free to jump on over and see my full thoughts. Um, The Artful Escape is a 2D... uh, I hesitate to even call it a platformer because you do some platforming, but this game at its heart is basically like an interactive music video where it's a game. I'm not saying it's not a game, but it's like the the point of this game is to unleash some like rocking guitar riffs while you're looking at super psychedelic visuals. And you're kind of just like moving your character through this world as you are absorbing the music, absorbing the visuals. It's not really there to challenge you because the platforming is super easy and if you miss a platform you just simply try again there's no there's no lives there's no punishment there's no fail state like they're just like oh you missed your jump go back and try that again and you can do that as many times as you like and uh it's kind of just like this av experience where it's just like bombast and colors and sounds and like the guitar is going and your character is like running through space and time and clouds and aliens and just all this like weird stuff like i feel like if you smoked a joint before you like played this game like you would be in for like the time of your life dude right.
1: okay i gotta stop you for a minute you're right on all the things you just described <laughs> i've been waiting for this game and i wish i would have got the partial code or like a could have shared the code so i'm going to go <laughs> well, i can
0: i can get in touch maybe i can get you maybe could you one. because we'll it see. doesn't
1: come out till <clears throat> september wait it comes out soon it's
0: out it came out uh tomorrow
1: oh okay tomorrow. yeah well anyways if you could get a code if not i'll, I'll pick I will it up. see what
0: we can do maybe we'll because talk about it next because i've time
1: been waiting now. for this so this is basically like an indie movie in a cartoon like basically right like it feels like because it's got jason schwartzman in it it does from rushmore and a million other things all westerners films it has carl weathers also Carl
0: weathers yep he's in it too. and
1: it just i remember seeing the trailer a while ago i'm on board right away i'm interested to see if you you kept with it but like wow i want to play it
0: so here's the thing so there is a story it's not just it's not just music and sounds i mean there is a story about a, a kid Who wants to play like sci fi, crazy, like rock opera stuff? But his uncle is a really world famous folk musician. He's kind of like a Bob Dylan sort of a guy, right? And so everybody in his family, everybody in his town is expecting him to carry on the folk music legacy, but that's not where his heart is at. And so he's feeling really conflicted. He doesn't want to like disappoint everybody in his town and his family, but at the same time, he just doesn't really like folk music and he wants to do like rock. And so that's the basic conflict of the game. What happens is aliens show up and they're like, yo, we need like a person to come into outer space with us and play sick guitar. And he's like, he's like, of course, I'm going to do that. Um, The story, I think, is pretty good. And it's really strange because I feel like this is like one inch away from being a really, really good story about um, like a trans person. I feel like with just a little bit of a script tweak, this could be like an amazing trans narrative. I feel like, in fact, that's what I thought it was going towards. I felt like it was building up towards that and then it kind of just didn't, which was really strange. Like I was like, man, you were so close. Why did you not just that one extra step would have got you there, but okay, whatever. Maybe that's not really the point, but a lot of the themes that come up in the story I feel like are really applicable to mm. to people who go through a trans experience. Not that I not that I'm speaking from experience, but just from people I know and from Talking to people, or right, like the
1: hardships and feeling maybe alienated or whatever. It seems like that might be part of it.
0: Finding your true self and being yeah. open and getting acceptance from people. So you know, i again, I'm not trying to speak to that myself, but just based on what I I pick up through Twitter and from people that I know in my personal life, seems to me like this would be a pretty good trans narrative if they had just tweaked a couple things. That's not what it is, but anyway, it is ultimately about finding yourself, being okay with yourself, accepting who you are, your true self. So I think those are all good messages. Um, but man. Like, I think that guitar in this game is pretty cool. I really like the soundtrack, it's really nice. But also, the visuals are just crazy, way over the top. Like, I took so many screenshots of this game, of just like as I was running through it, just like every scene is like more trippy than the last. Like, these desert scapes, and there's like fish in the sky, and there's like aliens with light shooting out of their eyes, and you're in the stars, and clouds are all over. The clouds are glowing. All right, I want to play it already. I'm getting jealous over here. it's pretty insane so if you approach it with the idea of this is a playable music video because playing the guitar is not hard it's just like uh at its worst it's like a real simple simon says game and it's not really that challenging at all and i don't think it's it's trying to be most of the jumping is just single button and if you fall you just try it again if you mess up the guitar riff they're just like whatever try again like there's no there's no the audience doesn't like boo you and you don't feel bad you don't get kicked off the stage they're just like just try again Just keep doing it till you get it right, which I think is fine because this is the kind of game that I feel like you want to just get in a groove and you want to just groove all the way to the end. Like you don't want to stop. You don't want to restart. You don't want to like do the same piece over again, which I think is the trap that a lot of these games kind of fall into. I think these developers understand that the continuity and the immersion of the experience is the most important thing. It's not about testing your gamer skills and see if you're elite enough to like get to the end. It's just enjoy the songs. Enjoy the visuals. Enjoy the show you know like yeah. that's what this game is all about or enjoy and the this... movie
1: it just seems like yeah, it's an exactly. indie film really
0: well i you know i actually uh, make that specific point in my review where i say that it's not it's not a movie it's more of a music video because i feel ah. like that's you can like check my review if you want. i'm not going to get it here but like that's i think an important distinction to make because i feel like in this particular instance it's just about the av the the, the the emotion the sound like it's not really trying to tell a story in the same way that a movie is telling a story and it's kind of just like just, just the experiential sort of thing. So I, for me, that's where I drew the line. And I feel like it's really, really successful as an interactive music video, which is what I took it for and what I would recommend it as. So if you're looking for, like, a platformer or some kind of, like, you know, specific game that falls into a very narrow genre, maybe don't come to this. But if you're open and you just want to, like, get some sick guitar tunes and some really trippy landscapes that would be on the cover of, like, Heavy Metal Magazine or something, then, yeah, this is awesome. Like, I played it all the way through. I thought it was great. I had a great time. I just I loved it from start to finish and I really appreciated it was doing something different. Like it wasn't about challenge, it wasn't about proving I was a gamer. It was just about kick back, you know, push a few buttons, enjoy the songs, enjoy the sights, and by the time that you're over, you got a cool little story about self acceptance, and then you're done. Like it was just it was just great from start it's, to finish. I sounds it.
1: great. Developer is called Beethoven and Dinosaur, which is also great. Cool I'm like name. Saying this in a weird kind of voice of like yeah jealousy, which I <laughs> have rarely had on this show. Um, but talk to them I'd love to get a code I'd love to talk about this in a future episode because basically here's my last tangent for the show is whatever you just described and I haven't even played it but I did watch the trailer a while ago is what I want more of out of in quotes games and why I hate calling video games video games because if you think of Dear Esther or you know uh, uh, tons of Gone Home or whatever all these games that are more experiential right Ooh, right. big word number two um, and it is, I like how I thought it's a big word and you're like, Carlos, it's just a normal word.
0: I didn't say that.
1: Well, I, I heard you thinking it. Uh, anyways, those games, you know, I want more experiences that aren't, yeah, like aren't difficult. Cause they just want to, they want to show you something. They want to, uh, bring you this kind of movie, like or music video, like experience. And I feel like those are few and far between. Am I wrong?
0: Yeah, I don't think we get as many of those as I think maybe we should. And that's kind of one point that I bring up in my review is like, I feel like Hollywood has been chasing interactive movies when they really should have been chasing interactive like music videos or something that is just more experiential rather than trying to replicate like the cinematic experience with like playability bolted onto it, like a, like a David Cage sort of thing or, Mm. you know, something like that. So, I mean, that's up for debate. That's just a thought that I had when I was going through this game, but I definitely agree with you. I think we, should have more of these things i mean of course you know then it gets back to oh well this game's only two hours long and i finished my first way through and i'm getting a refund on steam because because you know that always happens right like we need to have an audience who's willing to accept these things for what they are which is probably the next big step in, in video game evolution but for me who was ready for a different kind of experience who was ready to do something that wasn't about testing my skills and just was about bringing me some fucking amazing graphics and some great guitar. I'm like, yeah, I'm out for this. So
1: I'm in. It was great. All right. I want to play it now, tonight, somehow. (laughs) I can't.
0: All right. Well, I'll see what I can do. I can't make any promises, but we'll see what I can do. But anyway, I do give it a good recommendation if you want something that sounds like a playable music video. Uh, the, The title is not the greatest. The Artful Escape is not really very... Uh, clear about what kind of experience it is. But other than that, I think this is a great title. I really loved it a lot.
1: Okay. Hey, before we go, cause the show's over, right? Show's over. Um, I have one thing that's, all, I guess another tangent, but I'm about to, you're going to always ask me where should people find you this week. I'm jumping ahead. Let's just okay. change it up. And you can change find, you can find me on TikTok. uh just a lot of things, comedy. So search for a lot of things, comedy. And I'm just starting a new style of TikTok, which is where I kind of give information about cool shit that I like. And okay. this next one, I'm going to ask you a question. You can see if you can know the answer. Okay. Because that's what these some of these TikToks are. It's like I find really interesting information, and then I just kind of react to it. So my next TikTok that's going up right now, but at the time of this episode, it's already up. So, again, you can watch it. Uh, there will be a two-parter. What is the first console RPG? And I can give you one hint. First are console the, RPG. the
0: first console that existed or that i played
1: no no no, no. i'm asking you th- this is a there's an answer to this in oh, and, okay. and my tiktok i'm saying this is the first console rpg holy crap oh. so, so like
0: like a historical fact yeah is this is asking. a
1: fact what do you what do you think it was or oh dude i'm guessing i
0: mean what no con- console i mean so consoles go back further than even i do so i mean for, I mean, for me, probably Dragon Warrior, but it probably even goes back further than that. I mean, I guess it depends on what your definition of RPG is. I mean, maybe some people would say, um, what, Adventure on 2600 or maybe something on... You're
1: close.
0: Something on one of those systems, like a ColecoVision or something that I didn't have. I mean, I'm yep. guessing it's one of those one of those jommies.
1: Is on Atari 2600, that's your only hint, but you still won't get it.
0: Uh, no. Nah, if it's not Adventure, I don't know what it is. So
1: Adventure was did come out. This is after it. It's called Dragon Stomper which is a great name. Dragon Stomper. And it actually had, like, NPCs, and, like, you know, you you were definitely just, like, a little white square. But, like, there was a dragon, and there was, like, a wilderness, and there was, like, progression, you know? And it's terrible graphics to, to this day and age, you know? It's, like, Atari graphics. But it literally is essentially the first console RPG because there was RPGs on computer at that time, but not on a console that you would have at home. Because you just had, like you said, adventure,
0: which right, was right.
1: not in anything, really. But this had a little bit more to do and a little bit of a story. And so it literally technically is the first RPG.
0: Wow. I'm looking at it on Google Images right now. And holy smokes. I had no idea this game even existed. It definitely looks like an Atari game. See? And apparently, that's the kind of stuff yeah. you
1: can find on my TikTok now. I'm going fi- to I'm gonna dig in the, 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 the trenches. Nope. Trenches. And find interesting <laughs> information. But um no, it's just my it's my newest one. I just thought you'd you know find it yeah, interesting.
0: I I did not know that I learned something today.
1: Yay. I have been enriched. End of show. <laughs> end of show. All right, folks.
0: Thanks for listening. This is the end of the show. Uh, as always, send us your questions and comments. So video games podcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at So Video Games. We just heard about where Carlos can be found. As for me, Twitter, Instagram, B R A D G A L L A W A Y, always no O's, and that's going to do it for episode two four nine.
1: Thank you again for joining us here, and we'll see you next Friday. But in the meantime, this is bye from Brad. Bye from Carlos. And also, I just realized I'm going to play Thronebreaker on Game Throne Pass. Thronebreaker. Yes, that's it's the, the CD Projekt Red Witcher. Oh, that
0: is an amazing game. I love. And I that never game. played it. That's the story of that game. Kicks ass. Did you beat it's it? So good. I'm, no, dude, I got like so close. That game is actually really long. I got so close to the end, and I had to do some stuff for review, so I never finished it, but I saved my game. I'm going to come back to it. Oh. That story is awesome, and the main character, also awesome. Why don't we
1: bring it to the next episode, and you can jump back in, oh, or man. or in a couple episodes from now.
0: I got to find some time to make that happen. But, I yeah, know. that is that game is top shelf, dude.
1: Okay, well, I'm going to load it up tonight, because that's the only one I found on Game Pass that I'm excited about. So.
0: Ah, so good. Love it. Okay, man. All right, bye. All right, bye. bye.